Welcome back. I hope that you are well. I am so excited as we continue on this journey through the seven churches of Revelation. And today we're going to be looking at the church of Smyrna. And just by way of um, a reminder, you know, Jesus reveals himself to John the beloved while he's on the Isle of Patmos. And um, Jesus comes with a message to seven of the churches of Asia Minor. Asia Minor being the province of, well, a Roman province and what is made up today of modern day Turkey. And so these seven churches were not the only seven churches in existence at this time, but the message that Jesus gives to each of these churches is a holistic message. It is a challenge, a reminder, and an encouragement, not just for the churches then, but it serves as a reminder and an encouragement and a challenge to us today. And so I pray that as you listen to this, you wouldn't just be thinking of the Church of Smyrna, but you would actually see how this could apply to you today. Because I believe that that is the heart of God in these letters, is that they would actually resonate with us today and that there would be things that we can take out of these letters to challenge us and actually to encourage us in our walk with Jesus today. So let us begin. The Church of Smyrna, you can find this letter in in Revelation chapter 2 verses 8 to 11. So it's three little verses. It is not a long letter at all, but it is powerful and it is an incredible encouragement. And so before we begin, I just want to touch a little bit on Smyrna. Smyrna or Smyrna is often also referred to as the persecuted church. And what you will find is this was the only letter that Jesus did not have um, a challenge for them. So last time we looked at the church of Ephesus and Jesus absolutely is in awe of what the church is doing. He encourages them and he thanks them for their hard work and their discipline and their dedication. And, you know, they don't tolerate evil, but then Jesus challenges them because they had forgotten their first love, their first love being their relationship and their intimacy with Jesus. And we looked a bit at how, you know, we can be doing so much. We can be so busy with the kingdom of God, but when we forget about Jesus, he is the very center of everything. He is the most important aspect of everything we do. And so when we neglect our first love, everything else is kind of in vain. And so the Church of Smyrna is the only church that doesn't really get a rebuke or a reprimand. So Smyrna, the persecuted church. Smyrna was a big and it was a beautiful city and it was very much considered the center of learning and of culture. And the city of Smyrna was often referred to as the glory of Asia. So you can imagine that this would have been a stunning city, similar to Ephesus. We looked last week at how Ephesus was a big and a famous city. So I kind of likened it to maybe something like London or New York or Paris. And I would say Smyrna would possibly have been like that in the, in the ancient times as well. Maybe a bit of a Paris, you know, beautiful, bustling um, city full of culture and arts. So it would have been beautiful to live there. The city of Smyrna, however, was very deeply committed to idolatry. And this time when John is writing this letter to the church of Smyrna, the worship of the gods had started to die out and was replaced with the worship of Caesar. Emperor worship was compulsory. And it was expected within this community that every year Roman citizens had to publicly place incense on an altar to acknowledge that Caesar was Lord and Caesar is their Lord. 
Now, whether you believe that or not, a lot of Roman citizens you can imagine would have just done it to make everybody happy, to make sure that they were safe, to make sure that they were looked after, and most importantly, to make sure that they weren't murdered for not actually worshiping the emperor. And in return of actually, you know, putting this incense on display and, and um, you know, publicly showing your devotion and your commitment to Caesar, you were actually given a supporting document. And this served as a public statement so that everybody knew that you were in support of Caesar, that you worshipped him, that you thought he was the Lord, that you loved him and that you'd paid your dues. Refusal to do this, refusal to, to place your incense before Caesar was actually punishable by death. Now, some people would have viewed this, some people who believe that a lot of the events of the end times have happened already would believe that this was a fulfillment of the mark of the beast. So you can also imagine if you were a believer in Jesus and you maybe owned a bread shop and you refused to do the incense to Caesar, thus not receiving the statement, the public statement, not only were you risking death, but no one would want to do business with you because of fear that they would then also be punished by death because of their association with someone who was not in support of the emperor. Despite all this, Jesus calls them rich, the poorest church, the most persecuted church, yet Jesus calls them rich. Of all the seven churches, they were the purest and they were the richest because of their joy in relationship with Jesus. This is such a stark contrast to what we would even deem as what we deem as rich and successful. So often richness for us is because we own houses and we have stocks and we've got Bitcoin and we've got so many possessions, we don't even know what to do with it. Yet, isn't it interesting to see that that is not what Jesus calls rich and successful. Our success, our riches is actually in a heavenly kingdom. And so the church of Smyrna might not have had much physically, but they were developing within themselves and within their community of believers, such a deep, deep well of love and joy for Jesus. And that is why the Lord called them rich. And I know that that's what I want to be like. So often we can get caught up in what we do have or what we don't have. And we lose sight of the very fact that as long as we are in relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with him is growing and developing, that we are in fact so incredibly rich. And I love that. So I hope that that encourages you. So Let's go through the six points as Jesus, you know, as I mentioned last letter, there are six things that Jesus addresses with each of the churches. And so we'll start with the title of Jesus, how he introduces himself to the letter of Smyrna. And he says this, he says, these are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. In his greeting, Jesus identifies with the trials and the persecutions that the Church of Smyrna are undergoing. Who better to know and understand persecution than Jesus Christ himself, who was crucified, but yet he came back to life. So herein lies the hope that even in death, we as believers in Jesus Christ have a life. You know, Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
And so Jesus is talking to the church of Smyrna, who are very, it is a real threat to them that they really are facing death in their day to day. And he encourages them. He is the first and he is the last. He beat death. So should their life on this earth come to an end, it's okay because you will be present with the Lord and um, in the same way that Jesus came back to life. So we have life again in Jesus Christ. So things that are going well in the church of Smyrna. He says that he knows their works and he uses the letter, this letter to the church of Smyrna as an encouragement to them. They are doing well and their afflictions, their tri tribulation and their poverty is not lost on Jesus. That is such an incredible encouragement for all of us because I just wanna encourage you and remind you that whatever tribulation that you are facing right now, whatever loss you have experienced this year or in your life, whatever difficulty you are facing, it is not lost on Jesus. He knows, he sees, and he deeply, deeply cares. You know, Jesus left us the Holy Spirit. The most beautiful gift that he could have ever given us was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And one of the Holy Spirit's jobs and roles is to actually comfort us and to walk alongside of us. And so he knows everything that we are facing and he knows everything that we are experiencing. And he doesn't just leave us to, to navigate that by ourselves, but he stands right there with us as a, as a source of encouragement and as a source of strength. So Jesus takes this moment in his letter to the church of Smyrna and he actually takes a moment to reveal to them something that was to come, what was to come. So instead of rebuking them, he encourages them and then he actually gives them a little bit of a warning. And this is very much the nature and the characteristic of God. Even in the Old Testament, we see that God would send judges and then he would send the prophets as a way of warning to his children so that nothing that would happen would catch them off guard. And so Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. This would have probably immediately made them afraid, considering they are living in an era and in an age where they quite literally could be put to death at any point because of their devotion to Jesus. Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. And to me, this is a very, very clear, definitive indication that something was coming. And so something Jesus says to them in this letter, he doesn't give names and he doesn't give a lot of detail, but he says, basically, someone within the church will be sent to prison. And this will be a form of testing to the church. You know, the reality is that sometimes we don't want to believe this. We don't want to acknowledge this, but Jesus actually does allow things to happen to us that will test our faith and will test our strength in him, test our devotion to him. He's not playing games with us, but he does allow bad things to happen. And I think of the story of Job, where God actually allowed the enemy to basically destroy Job's life. You know, we want to always think that Jesus is going to protect us and shield us and only good will come to us. And that is very much the heart of God. Unfortunately, we live in a world that is very broken, very fallen, and sometimes we do not escape the things that are going on. So all that to say, Jesus warns the church that someone within the church will be sent to prison just for a time. And this will be the work of the enemy and therefore it will be limited by God. Similar to Job, 
What happened to Job's life was the work of the enemy and therefore it was limited by God. God would not allow the enemy to take Job's life. Job could take his, um, the enemy could take Job's livestock. The enemy could inflict him with pain and sores. The enemy was allowed to take the lives of his children, but the enemy was not allowed to take Job's life. It was limited. And so just like Job, this work will be limited. The intention I imagine was to get um, to get the church to renounce the Lord. You can almost imagine the enemy scheming. Well, if I just get one of them sent to prison, I bet you they'll all flee and they'll all renounce God to get their friend out of jail. They'll all turn their back on Jesus. And then, well, that's the best news for me. And so God actually prepares the church. He prepares their hearts. He prepares their, their souls for what's about to happen. And he actually gives them, I mean, this is a little bit unfair. I wish the Lord would do this for us, but God actually gives him or gives the church of Smyrna the time frame. This isn't going to be a long test. This is not going to be a long trial. In fact, only 10 days. Now, to the poor person who went to jail, 10, 10 days is probably, you know, it felt like a lifetime. But to the church, this was 10 days. If you could just hold firm for 10 days, if you could just ramp up your prayer life in that 10 day period, don't scatter, keep together, keep unified, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. This too shall pass. And so Jesus gives them this beautiful, beautiful warning. The truth is, you know, like I mentioned, Jesus does not always rescue us out of persecution and trials. We also take example from Daniel and his friends when they were thrown into the fiery furnace and when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. God did not deliver them from those moments, but God did deliver them through them. God did deliver them through those moments and he brought them out the other side. What God wants for us when we face trial and persecution is that we come out not only refined, but we come out stronger than ever before. Can you imagine when that man or woman was released from prison after 10 days, the absolute joy for that church? Can you imagine the victory and the celebration? Can you imagine the testimony? of that story. And that is what God wants for us. When we face trials, when we face circumstances that, you know, doesn't seem to align with what God wants for us, when we push through with victory, the testimony and the story that we have on the other side is absolutely amazing. We know that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus wants us to be ready for trials ready for trials so that when they come, we can stand firm and come out victorious. And the reality is it's, it's in the seasons where everything is going well. It's in the seasons where life is great and community is awesome and everything just seems perfect. Those are the seasons that we need to be sowing into. Those are the seasons that we need to be hunkering down when it comes to the word, our devotion to his word, our devotion to him, our commitment to, to do not forsake the gathering of believers. Those are the times where we need to really dig deep so that when the storms and the trials of life come, we have a firm, firm foundation. So as I mentioned, Jesus doesn't really address anything with the Church of Smyrna in time in terms of things that he challenges. There was actually nothing that he needed to challenge and there was nothing that he needed to change within this church. I think that this is probably because this was a church that was 
completely empty of themselves. They were committed to Jesus. They were committed to dying for him. This does not mean that they were a perfect church because as long as you have people, it's never going to be perfect. Um, but you can almost imagine the compassionate, empathetic heart of Jesus in that he understood and he recognized that there was already a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this church. There's literally about to be a crazy trial with someone going to prison. We have no idea the circumstances that were already going on in this church. Can you imagine if Jesus had gone? And I just want to like talk to you about, you know, that one time. So Jesus uses the moment to instead flood them with strength and encouragement. I love this because it shows us the heart of God. So often we think that Jesus is just, you know, he kicks me when I'm down, but that is not the heart of God. God is compassionate. He is kind. He is merciful. He is just, and he loves us so incredibly much. He would never want to hurt us. He would never kick us when we're down. He is just a good, good father who wants good things for his children. So he does give them action to take though. And what he does ask of them, and I believe that, you know, especially in our day to day, this could seem so kind of far removed from our life, but I think that this is such an important encouragement and something that I think every believer actually needs to consider for themselves. The encourage or the action that Jesus asks of the church of Smyrna is, would you be faithful even unto death? And I know growing up in the West, that is not something even remotely close to what, the way we think. We don't have to think about persecution so much in the West at the moment. We don't have to think about the fact that we can stand up on a Sunday and open our Bibles and actually go home and have lunch after. We're not cowering in fear for our lives. So it's very, very difficult for us to even put ourselves into this scenario. But could I ask you, would you be faithful to Jesus even unto death? I personally believe that this is something that every Christian should have an answer for and every Christian should prepare within their hearts. Would you be faithful even unto death? Despite the hardships and despite the trials that um, the Church of Smyrna have faced already, sorry, <coughs> I'm getting over a flu. <clears throat> Despite the hardships and the trials that the church has already faced, be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful unto the end because the reward will be more than what you can imagine and the reward will eclipse all of their hardships. Be faithful. You know, I've been thinking about this so much lately. The currency of heaven is faithfulness. That's all God requires of us is our faithfulness. And the crazy thing is, he doesn't even ask for a lot. Jesus said to his disciples, just a mustard seed size. That, that is like, I mean, ding, a little bit. <laughs> just the size of a mustard seed. That is all you need. And it is our faith that pleases the heart of God. It is our faith that sees things change. It is our faith that sees mountains thrown into the sea. And so just as for the church of Smyrna, whether you are in a persecution at the moment, whether you live in an area where there is persecution, and to us in the West, where I wholeheartedly believe that the day is coming where we will face persecution, will you be faithful to Jesus, even if it means that you have to give your life for him? Because let me tell you, 
the reward and the joy that we will have one day will surely eclipse the hardship um, that we face here on earth. As in every letter, Jesus says, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever hears this letter, whoever reads this letter, whoever hears and sees what the Lord is doing and saying. And that means that this message and this letter is as much for me today than it was for the church of Smyrna thousands of years ago. I'm hearing it. I'm reading it. I'm seeing it. And so therefore, this is a message to me. The spirit is saying to the churches, plural, not to the church of Smyrna. So the spirit of God is not just saying to this church of uh, the spirit of God is not just saying to the church of Smyrna, be faithful unto death. The spirit of God is saying to the church of Ephesus, be faithful to death. The spirit of God is saying to me, be faithful to death. Put the name of your church in there. Put your name in there. The Spirit of God is saying, be faithful even unto death. The intention seems, again, I mentioned this in the previous um, podcast, is that the leaders of each of these churches would have maybe circulated these letters to ensure that every church was able to read what the Lord was saying. And so as Jesus closes out this letter to the church of Smyrna, he leaves a promise to those who are victorious, to the overcomer. This is what Jesus says to those who are in Smyrna. To you who are victorious, eternal life. How beautiful, because the reality is that many of these people might have lost their lives for the gospel. And yet Jesus promises that if you are faithful to the end, if you are faithful to Jesus to the end, he will reward you with eternal life. They will not be hurt by the second death. The reality is that the second death will be experienced by those who have not been born again on earth. I know we don't like to talk about this. It is so much easier just to remove this from our minds. I don't wanna talk about the second death. I don't wanna talk about judgment. I don't wanna talk about hell actually. But the reality is that if you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior on earth while you are living and breathing, you will not just die once here in the natural. The Bible says that it is appointed to all men to die once. You will experience a second death and that is the final ultimate separation from God. You will not enter into his rest. You will not enter into eternity with Jesus. In fact, you will be separated by God for eternity in the lake of fire. I know we don't wanna talk about it, it's too hard to, to, to kind of process that kind of thinking. And this is why, this is why it is so important for all of us to, to, to literally action what Jesus said to us in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples. It is our responsibility as believers in Jesus to carry the message of the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. Whatever influence we have, whatever sphere we've been given, it is our responsibility to carry the message of the gospel so that no one would miss out on this opportunity of having life with Jesus for eternity. So, I want to encourage you with that thought. Will you be faithful to the end? 
Will you be faithful even unto death? Will you be faithful in taking what Jesus has done in your life? Would you be faithful in taking what he has done for you? And would you take it to the ends of your world? Would you take it to the people in your world? We can't make people get saved. We can't force people into relationship with Jesus. But what we can do is we can introduce them to the person of Jesus and allow them to have the opportunity to meet Jesus. So this is the Church of Smyrna. And um, just in closing and as we finish up this letter, I want to ask you this real question. And I know for many of us listening today, it seems like such a far off thought or concept. But I want to ask you this. How do you stand firm in the face of increasing opposition and persecution? The reality is that Jesus told his disciples and I am one of his disciples and so are you. And so Jesus told us that if the world hated him, they will hate us. And, um, you know, this is not meant to be a doom and gloom message. It's meant to be an encouragement. But the day is coming when we will see greater and greater opposition to truth and greater and greater persecution to truth. And so this is the moment and this is the time. How do you how do you safeguard your relationship with Jesus? How do you, what are you putting into your life at the moment so that when opposition and when persecution comes, you can stand firm? I pray that this letter has encouraged you. I pray that this has you know, given you something to think about. I want to see us standing firm. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 24, when his disciples asked, okay, like how will we know when the end is coming? Jesus you know, says a lot of different things, but one of the saddest things that Jesus says to his disciples, to me anyway, I think that this is one of the saddest verses in scripture. He says, but the love of most will grow cold. I don't want to be a statistic. And my heart and my passion is to make sure that anyone who hears this is not a statistic, that we don't grow cold in our love for Jesus. Okay, so that is the Church of Smyrna. I know it's a little bit heavy. I know that, you know, we don't want to think about um, dying for the cause and persecution and opposition. But just as we finish up, I just want to encourage you, why not take some time? Why not take some time now and actually begin to, to ask the Lord, what are some of the things that you can put into place in your life? What are some of the things that you could be doing, some of the disciplines and practices that you can be doing right now so that when opposition and when persecution comes, we will be like the Church of Smyrna. We will be seen as faithful and we will be able to stand firm in our love for Jesus and not be swayed by the world. And I know it's get, it is getting increasingly more and more difficult to do so, but I pray that just like this church of Smyrna, we would be victorious to the end.